Yowza, 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 indeed. What's going on, everybody? It's your boy, Matt Kennedy, one half of the Five Films From podcast here. Wanted to take a second today before Todd and I get started on the episode to say thanks for listening. And to ask that if you've been enjoying the show, make sure you like, subscribe, and maybe even leave a five-star review on the podcast platform of your choice. Doing that's going to really help us to connect with more movie-loving listeners just like you. Also, we wanted to give y'all an update on some of the stuff we're working away on for Season 2. Got a lot of good episodes lined up real soon. For example, uh, Todd's currently editing our two-part season premiere on five films from... It's actually going to be ten films from the two-part, or we're going to be doing Brian De Palma. We'll also be gonna getting into some more idiosyncratic stuff with guys like Stuart Rosenberg and Larry Cohen, as well as you know real Hollywood legends like Robert Altman and fan favorites like John Landis and Tony Scott. Again, be sure to subscribe so you can be among the first to hear all of our newest five films from content as soon as it drops. Totally. Lastly, if you're still listening, <laughs> be sure to be on the lookout for our upcoming Patreon feed. We'll be offering all kinds of bonus episodes, things like double features, commentary tracks, etc. 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 And special things like five films from directors who have only made one film and five films from the 70s disaster movie genre. Absolutely. So yeah, a lot of things lined up, good things on the horizon for FFF. And yeah, that's all I got for you. Enjoy the show. With Mac Kennedy and Todd Edmondson. We're back and we're going to talk about uh, next movie's Harold and Maude, 1971 yeah, movie. One of my favorites. Harold and Maude. Well, if you want to sing out, sing out. And if you want to be free, be free. Because there's a million things to be. You know that there are. And if you want to live high, live high. And if you want to live low, live low Cause there's a million ways to go You know that there are You can do what you want The opportunities are Believe it or not, it is a movie that I had seen in high school And it was back before my ankle surgery days So I was... It's basically the painkiller days, so I, you know, the whole back half of my senior year, maybe a little <laughs> bit, but, so, basically, this was, like, the first time I had saw it. I had basically no memory of it, and it's a movie that I feel like I should have seen earlier, because it's very good, and it's very, like, by not having have it caught me at, like, 18, I feel like maybe I missed something. Yeah, <laughs> like, yeah, it seems yeah. Like a I movie... When I, I yeah, when I saw it at a much younger age, when it came out, it it was very profound. It's yeah. just a profound. I, movie. It is a profound movie. Yeah. I was surprised by how much I loved it. Yeah, and of course the uh, the um, the direction and the performances. I mean the 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 great great Bud Court. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, he just very 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 small career, but this. Well, he was just coming off Robert Altman's Brewster McCloud, Bruce McCloud, and which, that makes perfect sense to go from that to this. Absolutely. Same kind. Of Absolutely. Yeah. Just sort of he had dreamy. a small role in MASH. He the, did? Yeah, uh, he did. Robert Fall yells at him in yeah, MASH. Yeah, That's yeah. right. And, um, but yeah, otherwise, this is, this is really, like, really stands out. Mm-hmm. It's just a, a, an incredible story uh, uh, of, a, of a young, again, white privilege. Certainly. Um, of a similar family uh, background as Elgar's. Exactly. Yeah, his mom, played by Vivian Pickles in this movie, reminds me a lot of Elgar's mom. Very, very similar. Yeah, certainly. Very straight-laced, and things are got to be the way they've got to be. And she's also oblivious 
to her own kids' um, existence and their and their thoughts and feelings, basically. Yeah. Um, and, and it's a shame, but he's he's uh, has the opening of the movie is just he's she's constantly trying to set him up with these and these kind of preppy girls, and he pulls these. God awful. Increasingly <laughs> ridiculous fake suicides. Yeah. Um, so, and I don't even know how he survives them. Like literally, it's almost magical sometimes. Yeah, yeah. It's, it's just it's, harrowing. Like yeah. the, the one, I, I just break out laughing every time the one where he's sitting in a chair opposite her and she's talking about herself. And he just pulls Cut. out a cleaver and chops his hand off <laughs> right in the middle of her conversation. It's just it's great. It's fantastic. It is, it is fantastic. Oh, here's Harold now. Don't get up, dear. Edith has been talking about her job. I'm a file clerk. Henderson Feed and Grain. Harrison. Harrison Feed and Grain. It's at Hamilton and Fourth, and I'm in charge of all the invoices. I type up the schedule for the trucking fleet. She supplies the whole Southwest with chicken feed. Well, not exactly the whole Southwest. Although we do do a large business. Barley was very big last week. 1,500... This really sets you up for the whole rest of the movie. And he, um... Before we get too far into it, I want to just... Go through a couple of credits real quick. Uh-huh, yeah, please. Cinematographer here, John Alonzo, shot Chinatown. Oh. Yeah. Uh, so, yeah, another thing. Yeah, Ashby really did work with all the best cinematographers of the 70s. Really like we did. just Yeah, we'll talk more about Haskell Wexler later and uh, Caleb mm-hmm. Deschanel. But, yeah, we just went from uh, Willis to John Alonzo. Written by Colin Higgins, who is a oh, guy who... That's yeah, right. I've forgotten that. guy who later wrote... Um, the Silver Silver Streak, Gene Wilder, Richard Pryor movie, and directed two of my favorite movies of the early 80s, 9 to 5, and yep. The Best Little Horrors in Texas. There you go. So, and, I think he had something to do with Foul Play, which is probably one of Chevy's better, uh, better efforts. And if we can combine directed by and written by, I think we could get an episode out of Colin Higgins. And oh, he's I a agree. guy who I think is really interesting yeah. to talk about. That's a great idea. Um, yeah. Production designer, Michael Haller. Worked with Hal Ashby a lot. Uh, Want to give a shout out to great production design. And I think the true MVP of this podcast is the casting by Lynn Stallmaster. Oh. I'm trying to I'm trying to think. We've done 30 movies thus far. I bet Stallmaster's casting on like 17 or 18 of them. Sure if I were to right. look it up. I'll have to find that. But I specifically wanted to point that name out because he might be the, the um, MVP. I always of thought he was a girl right now. Yeah. Yeah, I know he's a man because of the Devil's Candy, the book about Brian De Palma's Bonfire of the Vanities, uh, and they talk. He cast that movie, and they talk about him. That's kind of the only uh, reason I would know that. Wow! Wow! <laughs> yeah. Well, his his work speaks for itself. Yeah, man. he's just uh, just brilliant. But yeah, to the movie now we've got Harold. You know, he's doing these fake suicides. And the other thing he does is uh, go to funerals for fun. For fun, yeah. yeah. Don't tell me, Harold. What do you do for fun? What activity gives you a different sense of enjoyment from the others? What do you find fulfilling? What gives you that special satisfaction? I go to funerals. 
and you know he's at the first funeral in the beginning. He's just this morbid teenage, yeah. you know, sullen. Not atypical, I don't think. Not yeah, at all. Um, not you know, at all. a lot of teenagers probably don't wear it on their sleeve as hard as Harold does. Right. But, I, I, but they're thinking it. Yeah. Yeah. Absolutely. 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 Um, and there's a scene in the preacher at the funeral uh, when he first goes to, and he sees Maud kind of across the way. Uh, but there's the line, great little piece of editing here, great Hal Ashby, of course, editing, um, where the preacher says, This is the generation of those who seek you. Yeah. I wish I knew, I wish I knew. What makes me me, what makes you you? Yeah. It's like a really evocative moment, and again, I could imagine, like, it's a movie that is kind of evergreen content for young people and people who sort of uh, feel constrained by the world they Which live in. Which they all do. Yeah. We all did. It's, it's yeah, it's universal. I, mean, it's, I still do, frankly. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. Uh, yeah. I mean, I do too. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I'm not sure the, you know, you don't outgrow that, but, but yeah, Harold is, um, Harold is, um, is an archetype of, of, mm -hmm. of his generation of just the angst and the emptiness and uh, <laughs> Ruth Gordon. It's kind of like waving to him as yeah. I recall. She's like, she's like trying to get his attention during this funeral. Um, is that the same? Uh, that that's the same priest who later talks to. Uh, I don't think so. No, or it I might have been. It, you know, it might have been. Sure. I don't remember the one who speaks at the end to him. Yeah, yeah. Where, where his mom makes him go yeah. to talk to him, and he, his mom also makes him go to a psychoanalyst. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> and his his uncle from the army. Oh <laughs> yeah, that yeah, guy. Yeah. That guy cracks me up. Um, uh, he's played by Charles Tyner from The Longest Yard and oh, some oh, other yeah. stuff as well. But yeah, he's uh, he's the caretaker in The Longest Yard. That's right. Uh, yeah, he's that's a, right. The guy's he's obsessed with Nathan Hale, and he's got his uh, prosthetic <laughs> arm that salutes. It's this great, just like cartoonish depiction of like military authority. Yeah, yeah, yeah. The authority figure as a buffoon. Yeah, yeah. yeah. That's a great life. It's action, adventure, advising. Get a chance to see the war firsthand. And there are plenty of sad eyed girls. I'll make a man out of you, Harold. You'll travel the world, put on a uniform, and take on a man's job. You'll walk tall, with a glint in your eye and a spring in your step, and the knowledge in your heart that you are working for peace and are serving your country. Just like Nathan Hale. Now that's what this country needs. More Nathan Hale. And so, yeah. Um, Which is a lot like uh, Bo Bridges' dad dressing yeah, up as General as Patton. As General Patton, yeah, sure, yep. Yeah. See, all movies are the same. It's adult cosplay. <laughs> yeah. Uh, <laughs> uh, so he, the, he and Maude meet. Maude is 79 years old, played by Ruth Gordon. What is your name? Harold. Harold Chasen. Oh, how do you do? I'm Dame Marjorie Chardin, but you may call me Maud. How do you do? Nice to meet you. Well, thank you. I think we're going to be great friends, don't you? Can I give you a lift, Harold? No, thank you. I have my own car. Well, I must be off. We shall have to meet again. Uh... Tell me, do you dance? Pardon me? Do you sing and dance? Uh, no. Uh, no. I thought not. 
who had just won an Oscar a couple years earlier for Rosemary's Baby. Yeah, she's uh, just brilliant. Yeah, Hume Cronin's wife. Oh, really? Yeah. Didn't know no, that. no, 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 I got that wrong. Hume Cronin's wife was Jessica Tandy. Jessica Tandy. That's right. Uh, um, Ruth Gordon, I can't remember who she's married to a playwright. And shit, I should have looked it Wait up. Wait a second. Uh, Jed Harris? Oh, oh, you know what? Garson Kanan. Garson Kanan. Garson Kanan. Hello. Yep, yeah, that's right. Yeah. Screenwriter. Thank you, series of tubes. That's right. It's a series of tubes. <laughs> but she's magnificent. She just represents an absolutely unfettered joy of life and in they, every moment. They both meet at a stranger's funeral. Like they yeah, both have yeah. this thing going on. Yeah. Um, and she has a you know they meet each other. They have a thing where they she steals cars. And it's all. <laughs> Uh, so she's basically just taking people's cars out of these parking lots. <laughs> she really lives life to the fullest. She doesn't yeah, let yeah. doesn't let the bastards get her down that yeah. much, does she, she? She's like a Tom Waits character, right? Or yeah. something, you know, she's just like guns blazing and just pedal to the metal. She's hilarious. And yes, yeah, so they sort of uh, slowly just kind of meet each other uh, uh, at this. Funeral, and slowly they start to see each other more and become sort of close friends after a while. Yeah. Um, he's fascinated by her sort of flaunting of everything and her just uh, uh, irrepressibility. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And uh, yeah, authority just, there is none. Um, she's just a, she's a spiritual being who's just flying like a butterfly on the winds, you know. Try something new each day after all we're given life. To find it out, it doesn't last forever. You look as if you could. <laughs> Did I tell you I'd be 80 on Saturday? Yeah, okay. Oh, well, that's the influence of the right food, right exercises, and the right breathing. Greet the dawn with a breath of fire. My body's giving out. I'm well into autumn. It's all going to be over after Saturday. Uh, tell me about yourself. What do you do when you aren't visiting funerals? And, like, meantime, his mom still tries to set him up on these computer dates. <laughs> there's, a, there's a great sequence of the mom, like, answering all the questions that she's supposed to be telling Harold about. <laughs> Does your personal religion or philosophy include a life after death? Oh, yes, indeed. That's absolutely. Did you enjoy life when you were a child? Oh, yes, you were a wonderful baby, Harold. Do you think the sexual revolution has gone too far? It certainly has. Do you find the idea of wife swapping distasteful? I even find the question distasteful. Do you enjoy... Harold, please. Do you have ups and downs without obvious reason? Oh, that's you, Harold. <laughs> uh, just the, the helicopter, the rich helicopter mom. She, yeah, she's, and she's really perfect at it. Uh, you know, and you can see why Harold is just so screwed up. Um, he's repressed and he's dead dying too. That's uh, that's what I thought of, about something wild, you know. Mm -hmm. Melanie Griffith looks at Jeff Daniels and she says, "I bet you, you know, 
I bet you steal other lunch. I bet you take candy bars. I bet you steal newspapers. Yeah. You're you're a, you're a closet rebel. Right. That's yeah. right. And yeah. we think about um, we think about you know the the trope in like indie movies of the manic pixie dream girl. So uh, a line that was coined by the writer Nathan Raven. Talk about I think the movie Elizabeth Town. But you know like the uh, Thirty Days of Summer is a prime example mm-hmm. where it's just a sort of uh, free spirited kind of like completely two-dimensional dream woman written by a male screenwriter yeah, very who yeah. only exists to uh uh you know shoot the white guy out of his his haze yeah, right yeah, yeah shoot him out of a cannon right and the you know I, I thought something wild was sort of a great precursor to that uh, sort of like before it became a, a hackneyed trope and even before this we have the manic pixie dream old woman who's yeah, mom yeah, really yeah. reach out take a chance Hurt even. Play as well as you can. Go, team. Go. Give me an L. Give me an I. Give me a V. Give me an E. L-I-V-E. Live. Otherwise, you got nothing to talk about in the locker room. And that, that, that's, yeah, that's a good, good point. Yeah. Because she is not, it's so against type. You just, uh, you know, you'd think of a 79-year-old woman as your grandmother who mm-hmm. doesn't do anything. Knit and, you know, make cookies. And she's just like, uh, she's like a wild child. Well, she, she does everything. What she When she's stealing the cars, Harold asks her, You hop in any car you want and just drive off. Well, not any car. I like to keep a variety. I'm always looking for the new experience. <laughs> and that doesn't just apply to the car she steals. I think that applies to everything in her life. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Yeah, no grass grows, grows under her feet, and and so, uh, Bud, Court, uh, Harold learns by example. Really, mm-hmm. um, he, she's like the maternal, not just maternal, obviously because they fall in love. He falls in love with her. Yeah, I'm not sure she's. Um, She's just kind of letting every. She lets she's everything. She's entirely happen. receptive, right? right? Yeah, exactly. But yeah. she's just letting everything mm-hmm. happen, and um, you know, his mother is the exact opposite. Mm-hmm. Just the, the exact opposite. Yeah, That's true. Yeah. yeah. And he's looking for that, and he finds it in her, mm-hmm. and it's just profound. And I was going to point out that the the the, I, the that Cat Stevens. Um, I don't know if it was Steve for the Tillerman. It was mostly mostly the songs from. Yeah, that I believe album. it was. Yeah, and that that album it must have sold a billion copies because well, I think he wrote the songs uh, in conjunction with the movie. I think. Yeah, I, I was never he, really sure about. I that. saw some interview with him where he was talking about working with Hal Ashby. Oh, cool. Yeah. When, so when, that, he, when he wasn't being told he can't fly on airplanes before those <laughs> days. Yeah, that's right. Uh, Yusuf, Yusuf himself. Yeah. What, I, so it makes sense because the songs are just, are just absolutely, absolutely perfect. Trouble, no trouble, set me free. I have seen your face and it's too much, too much for me. Trouble, oh trouble, can't you see? You're eating my heart away and there's nothing much left of me. I've drunk your wine, you have made your world mine, so won't you be fair? 
So won't you be fair? They repeat in the right spots, and it just really, it really, it's, it's very magical in that sense. A movie has a lot of magic to me. I think you're right. Uh, it's sort of, not even, not even in the least just the magic of how Harold gets, survives these increasingly crazy suicide attempts. <laughs> like, that's the different level magic. But yeah, it's... The phrase I hear a lot is life-affirming, and I mm -hmm. think life-affirming is exactly, exactly what it is. exactly what it is. Despite the ending in sort of a, a suicide situation, but it was... Well, how, how do you feel about that, the ending? I, I feel that the ending is just exactly like... It's, it's hurtling toward... Uh, you know, she, um, she decides to end her own life. Mm -hmm. On her 80th birthday. On her 80th birthday. After she and Harold had actually had sex. Yes. Yeah. Yes. My 80th birthday. Well, you're not going anywhere. Are you? Yes, dear. I took the tablets an hour ago. I'll be gone by midnight. And and uh, and a priest or whoever that is who just it's just. Uh, uh, and I looked his name up and I've forgotten the actor's name, but he's always... Eric Christmas. Yeah, yeah. Eric Christmas is yeah, the yeah. Uh, The fact of your firm, young body co-mingling with the withered flesh sagging breasts and flabby buttocks makes me want to vomit. And he's not helping Harold no, and at all. God, before that, I, we got a little bit ahead, but before that happens, when Harold's mom tries to enlist him in the army, there's this whole sequence where the two of them kind of try to get one over on Charles Tyner as the general. Right. Which is unbelievably funny. Yeah, yeah. Unbelievably funny. Gee, I, I never dreamed it could be that exciting. That's the most exciting thing in the world, Harold. To pit your own life against another. Yes. To kill the taste of blood in your mouth. The moment of truth. Another man's life in your sight. Yes. That. Will they really teach me to shoot? Sure they will. A variety of weapons. To use a bayonet? Yes. <laughs> How about hand-to-hand uh, -hand combat? Yes. To strangle someone, choke him, what? squeeze out his life in your own bare hands. I, I think you're getting carried away, uh, Harold. How about to uh, slit his throat? Well, I don't know I'd about like that. that. You can see the blood squirt out. Well, How about souvenirs? Souvenirs? Of your kill. Eyes, ears, nose, scalp, privates. Harold! Hey, what would be the chance of getting one of these? Huh? Boy, to think I could maybe make my own. Harold, that's disgusting. It certainly is. Madam, who are you? Uh, I am petitioning for peace. Parasite Harold. And I came out here to speak. Crazy parasite. Tommy bastard. Harold, Get the hell out of here. Don't you talk to me like that, you little Traitor! Did you? Benedict Arnold! Remember Nathan Hale, right? Harold, calm down. She's a commie pig. And we're gonna nail every last one of you. You'll all end up like this. Oh! Just like this. 
dark it's yeah. a great dark comedy uh and and ashby again the 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 landlord is is very light and funny and and like mm-hmm. comically character cartoonish in in some ways and it gets dark and deep right before and, yeah it's it's before like a, a hard turn into sort of Harrowing for a little bit. Reality. Yeah. yeah. But then still ending on an up note in yes, both of those absolutely. movies. Absolutely. Yeah. Um, that final scene where Harold's driving around in his Jaguar hearse. Yeah. yeah. And how it fr- he jumps off the cliff and it freeze frames. There's such a feeling of like, well, the movie could end this way. The movie could end with Harold just plummeting to his death. And that's what everybody, I yeah. think, is expecting and, anyway. And the fact that it doesn't, the fact that he just shows up with the ukulele that Mod the taught banjo. him to play, yeah, the banjo yeah. that Mod yeah. taught him to play. Yeah. It's and a great, an great final image. Sing out, sing out. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Great, great song. Image. Yeah. Great song. Uh, yeah, it is, it is It is very, very life-affirming. Yeah, there's a lot of... His yeah. suicides are, are all just cries for help, and it's all theater. And she ends her life on her own terms. Yeah. And he freaks out. I mean, he does. What? You know, and uh, is trying to take her to the hospital and trying to, you know, he and doesn't want to give her up. One of his dates that his mom set him up with also accidentally killed herself, too, <laughs> in another scene. <laughs> That's at this, right. That scene was fucking wild. Ooh, it was really oh crazy. Oh, my goodness, yeah. yeah. Oh, that was marvelous. Oh, it had the ring of truth. I played Juliet in the Sunshine Playhouse. Louis thought it was my best performance. <laughs> What's here? A cup closed in my true love's hand? Poison, I see, hath been his timeless end. Oh, happy dagger. Oh, happy dagger. This is thy sheath. There, rest, and let me
was your last date. Yeah, but that also happened right near the end as he sort of like, in his like going crazy ending period, yeah, that was yeah. one of the things the, that happened. The, the fantasy world that he lives in is it comes comes crashing down to reality. Right, and you see Maud, the moment where they're sitting together and it flashes to Maud's uh, like uh, tattoo on her arm indicating that she was like in the concentration camps. Oh man, yeah, I forgot about that. That is like, it's such a small detail. And, you know, there's instead of making it a plot point or whatever, it's not even seen until that last night when they're, like, sitting on the rocks together. Right, And right, then Harold looks right. at it and sees it, and that kind of, like, you know, soon after that is when it all comes off the rails almost. It's, right, like, right. the intrusion of reality yeah, into yeah. this kind of dream that they're living together. Yeah, and a very dark reality yeah. from a dark chapter in history, for yeah, sure. Certainly. Yeah, certainly. It's so I, subtle that it's, you, like, really this, amazing. I watched this movie, I don't know how many fucking times. I, yeah. just, uh, I just love it. Um, it really, it just really hit me in a profound way from every time I watch it. Mm. It's, just a, it's a perennial... It's just pretty flawless. I mean, it's really, it really yeah. Is. I'm like, you know, like I said, this is basically my first time watching it, but I will certainly revisit it. I think <laughs> uh, every couple of years because I liked it a lot. Uh, in that same way that you did, you know, Hal Ashby's movies they get they stick with you in a way. I think they really do. They really yeah, do. they did with in, me in a way that is similar to our last guy, Demi. That's sort of it's like a. Uh, humanistic kind of uh yeah like tactileness almost you know um it's amazing that filmmakers can some filmmakers can you're basically dealing with an escapist medium it's a suspension of disbelief and all the other reasons you watch a movie um it's to be profound in a motion picture it takes talent and skill Mm -hmm. and of course it takes the right story but a director I mean the way he put the way Ashby puts his movies together, uh, it's just visionary and 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 again profound. I just think it's profound. I yeah, think it's just great. And I think they storytelling. all storytelling. I think they all will notice it as as we keep talking about. They all speak to sort of a coherent worldview and sort of a thematically they line up in certain ways. I agree, uh, and that's yeah. something that we always try to point out on this podcast too, is the exactly. three lines through a director's yeah. career. The thread the thread is is uh is real. Yeah. Hundred <laughs> percent. Um so you wanna hear some weird facts? Yes. There was supposed to be a sequel and prequel discussed about this movie. I had no idea. Yeah, listen to this real quick. Colin Higgins had the idea for a sequel and prequel later on in the seventies. One of them was to just be Harold's story, which is this is uh, this is what I wanted to point out. Okay, so the first one would have been Harold's story, Harold's life after Maud. The other one was a prequel showing, and I'm quoting from Wikipedia here, but it's such a fucking crazy idea, showing Maud's life before Harold, entitled Grover and Maud, which had Maud learning how to steal cars from Grover Muldoon, the Richard Pryor character from Silver Street. Oh, no, <laughs> that is wild as hell. Colin Higgins wrote both movies. He said he wanted Gordon and Pryor to reprise their perspective roles. <laughs> would that have been That insane? would have been amazing. <laughs> I'll whoop your ass. Beat the white off your ass. 
That would have been absolutely amazing. That's something I really wanted to put out. You know, just make sure that we we mentioned before we uh, finished up with this movie. What else? Uh, There's a funny one here in in, um, in in Prime in the more details. Did you know? And it says, in all shots of Ruth Gordon driving the hearse, it is being towed because she never learned how to drive a that's car. That's so funny. And yeah. there's so much of her driving in yeah, the movie. She drives tons. Yeah. yeah. They talked about how uh, when they steal a police officer's motorcycle, Bud Cord accidentally hit himself in the head with a shovel, but just kept going for the sake of the shot. <laughs> Possession of a stolen shovel. <laughs> All one of the crimes that they get booked for by Officer Tom Scarrett, apparently. Yeah, I didn't notice that. Him. I didn't even recognize That's that, so but according wild. to uh, the cast, yeah. Oh, good. Wild. It's fun stuff. Cool. But yeah, it's a good movie. I like it a lot. Um... Again, second movie, second I think he's, I think he does it in all of his movies, where it's Hal Ashby gets a cameo in the movie. Um, he's at the arcade uh, where Harold and Maude are on the boardwalk. He's standing there. Oh, yeah. okay. And he's a real distinctive looking guy. He's got long hair and a beard. Well, I saw, yeah. I saw in the last detail where, um, in the, in he's the in prime, a bar with them in the last detail. In the prime detail, yeah. And, and in the, Landlord, he was Uncredited in the, man with beard. Yeah. <laughs> in the Landlord, he was in the very first shot, sort of like, inexplicably. It's the very first shot of the Landlord. Now we're going back to the Landlord. It opens up with a shot of Hal Ashby's wedding, like his real life oh, wedding. I wouldn't, oh, really? Yeah. And real life wedding? It's him and his wife standing there, and just a shot taken from their wedding, which was, I guess, on set. And so before no, the movie, shit, that's hilarious. Before, like, yeah, it, before anything even else happens, the opening shot is Hal and his wife. <laughs> wow. Yeah. That's great. One of his like five wives. <laughs> <laughs> well, on that happy note, <laughs> let's uh, let's take a break, and we'll come right back. <laughs> 